podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name is Daniel. It's your boy, Double H, bada bing, bada boom. Carl was on CNN. I've seen him on Total Football. Yeah, man, he's a he's a big deal. But we got another so, big so, deal. So, we got so, a good how, guest. How this guy not getting us any of these um, connects? <laughs> <laughs> we got a guest in Carl Stead, um, Manchester United for Liverpool. So normally we have the Manchester United side of things on this podcast. I decided, you know what, let's change it up. I let have Hope go through his Rolodex, and he just pulled a name, just any name, and it happened to be Drifty. What's good, Drifty? What's happening? What's happening, man? Pleasure, pleasure. Now, before we get started, can you tell people about your platform, about where they can find you, all that kind of good stuff? Uh, yeah, um, I'm part of the Football Banter Show, uh, hashtag uh, TFBS. You can find us on um, YouTube. That's our main platform. Uh, and, you know, you can hit me up at drifty underscore TFBS on Twitter if you want to wind me up or, or, or get involved in some great discussions on there, man. The link to the Football Mentor Show will be in the description, Drifty's uh, details as well. So go check them out. Dope content as well. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Talking Tactics. Follow us. If you're listening on Spotify, follow. If you're listening on SoundCloud, follow. If you're listening on an Apple device, yeah. Apple subscribe Samsung. it's free you, you know it, it doesn't cost anything to subscribe if you're on like apple or something like that so just subscribe to us we have launched our patreon page if you go on patreon.com slash talking tactics you can click that or tap that and it will take you to our patreon page where you can look at the tiers that we have there's a one dollar one a three dollar one and a ten dollar one pledge three dollars you get talking tactics extra what i'm going to do is right here i'm going to put a, a snippet from this week's talking tactics extra I have done a complete 180 on Drake. This was a guy who I hated. I you hated love Drake face. now. Let me wait, wait. Let me land. Let me land. Let me land. When I first saw him, I hated his face. I hated his voice. I hated everything about him. But once I've now listened to him, I'm like, this guy makes makes good music. Like I cannot deny that this guy just makes good music. So let's get to the show. We got a few things to, to, to get through this week. Because we have a Liverpool fan on, a Liverpool expert. Mm. Call it like it is. Let's start with the game at Old Trafford. Saw a lot of people calling it a boar fest, 0 0. Oh, that game was terrible. That <laughs> game was terrible, man. I mean, I forgot I forgot to actually ask it to drop. I should have asked this. Profanity, yes or no? In How moderation. I'm allowed to. In, <laughs> in, in moderation. You, you, you can swear, but if you go to him, yeah. But... Yeah, no, I'll, 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 I'll mute myself. But basically, that game was terrible that game was just so terrible on all levels i don't really know whether it was a disruption of the injuries i don't know whether liverpool were just feeling the pressure i don't know whether it was just a combination of united not really knowing how their game should be and it confusing us because we had a game plan and that game plan couldn't now work because they were all over the place i don't know what it was but I feel like United dragged us down to their level and it was just a shit football match. <laughs> the quality of football was, was horrible. It was like really, really bad quality of football. So, I mean, before we get to the whole title race and Liverpool's mentality and the psychology, just speak, talking to the game specifically. Like, okay, you can say that, okay, the substitutions messed with the, fl- with the flow of the game and guys had to come on and come off. But the amount of misplaced passes, there was hardly any rhythm from both sides. I can't remember how many clear-cut chances there were. I can't remember any highlights of the game. And when you're looking at the game where the people that really came up good were really the defenders, I Lindelof Shaw, then that just showed you that, yeah, this is, I mean, understand it's a derby and 
it can be very passionate, but just basic quality of football of a game of such a profile, I mean, was really poor. Because if you look at either a Barcelona Real Madrid or you look at Bayern against Dortmund or any of these other, even Inter Milan, AC Milan, who have fallen, even whenever those games are played, there's actually of a better quality than I saw today because the quality of football was just really bad. And the shocking thing is that, okay, for United, it's a patch up job on a Stokeshire. Liverpool are supposed to be one of the best sides in England. Mathematically, as of right now, as we speak, they're the best side in England, mathematically. So being the best side to play so badly and so inept, <laughs> they didn't have a shot on target after the 35th minute, which is insane. So yeah, uh, very disappointing with the, with, with the game. Do you think it was more like the pressure of the situation where you have Liverpool try, trying to fend off Man City, you have Manchester United who are now in a top four race, maybe they didn't expect themselves to be in, but they kept winning. So you think pressure? I'll probably let the drift to sort of go on from this, but I just think that what I saw was a, a lack of balls, a lack okay. of cojones, because you've seen your opposition, speaking of, of, of Man United, have to make three substitutions. There, there's no Martial, one of their best attacking players. Rashford is injured, so he's, he's pretty much in, ineffective because he's carrying an injury. Lingard comes and he comes off. So two of the United's main attacking players are not playing. The other attacking player, who's the striker, is injured. So they're pretty much playing with nine and a half outfield players. That says to you, go for the game. And the key thing about this is that if that was Man City, they go all out. If we lose, we lose. But no, we go all out and we, we, we go for the kill. Something in me said that Klopp was maybe afraid of losing, so he didn't go for the jugular. Because United were there for the taking. They were there for the taking. All they were doing was like, let's just defend and just feed off scraps at high points because we're not playing with a striker and we've got a brick playing out wide right. So <laughs> for the, the fact that Liverpool were not, did not bring on Cater, did not play attacking, did not push men up, did not press higher up, did not really commit more and more men forward. It's almost like a thing of life. You have to take risks. If you don't take risks, they will come and bite you in the ass. So that for me is just what really disappoints me is Liverpool's lack of balls. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone wants to throw at us. You know what I mean? Chelsea fans, uh, United fans, Arsenal fans, they all want to throw this, we're bottling it, whatever. I, I've been trying to, I've been racking my brain around what it is. And, and there's, a, there's a much more logical explanation that doesn't involve banter and, and, and trying to take the piss out of us and whatnot, whatnot. I was always somebody who thought, all right, I want to go out of the cup. I don't want my team to be playing a lot of games. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Our squad isn't big enough to be able to cope with, with, with a bunch of games. I want to be out the cup. I don't want to be in the League Cup. I don't want to be in the FA Cup. If we go out of the Champions League, I'm not really bothered. I just want us to win this Premier League. This has been eluding us for 29 years. We need this Premier League. <laughs> and the reason and the reason behind that, as I said, was because of the squad, was because of the fact that I just felt like having those breaks would be, you know, a, a welcome kind of present. And and while other teams, especially the, the team who's chasing us and the team who was obviously above us at some point, they've got all these games, they're in every cup, they're talking about the quadruple. And I'm thinking, okay, so if they've got to play on all these fronts, they're going to get fatigued, they're going to get injuries, there's going to be things that will benefit us not playing while they are playing. Hindsight is a bitch. And you can always look at things after the fact and be like, okay, this, that, whatever. I'll be honest with you. In the last 24 hours, I've really been trying to think about this. Now, if you look at the poor performances Liverpool have put in this season, really and truthfully, the only real time we've played poorly has been since the turn of the year. And you know what's happened since the turn of the year? We've had two 10-day breaks where we've had no football in a period where everyone else, especially City, have had one, maybe two games in that same period. Mm. 
And for me, I'm starting to realise now, do you know what? Even though I didn't want us to get injuries, playing football is the only way to keep momentum going. Those breaks were actually the worst thing that could have happened to us. Not only because of the time period, that this warm weather training bullshit that, that we went on, I have no idea why Klopp did it the second time. The first time is like, okay, you know, you did this. We've got all these players getting viruses, important players. Van Dijk got a virus. Wijnaldum got a virus. Firmino got a virus. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, don't do it again. Then we get another break. He does the same thing again. He just goes to a different country. But same thing. It's warm weather. You're taking us from the cold into the warm. And then it's like taking hot food out of the microwave and putting it back into the fridge, coming back into the cold. It doesn't work. We've looked leggy. We've looked fatigued. We've looked tired. When we were the one who had the break. And for me, I just think momentum got killed. Every time we've gone on a break, we've had a good result before the break. Then we've gone on a break, come back, played shit. When I'm really trying to be rational, take emotion out of it, take all the other things out of it and just, just think about it logically. Like what has happened while we were poor against Leicester, we're poor against West Ham and then we're poor against Bayern Munich and then we're poor against Man United. It's no coincidence those games came after the break. There's no other logical way of putting it. It was the break, it was the training, it was the being away, it was the warm weather. And in that time, Man City have just kept their momentum going. They've just been winning, bang, 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 gain, confidence, gaining, momentum, boom, boom, boom. And like, it's the only way I can, it's the only way I can think about it, man. It, it's, hmm. it has to be that. I remember saying to Drifty when they lost to Wolves, and again, quick plug, hope Mitz Banzer drops every Friday. You know? <laughs> <laughs> plug it up, plug it up, plug it up, plug it up. I'll, I'll, say, I'll, I'll say to him on, on, on the show that like, because he was arguing with me and like another of our co-guys, Matt Alex, no, man, let's just focus on the league. If we go out of the aircraft, that's fine. And my argument then was try to win every single game because it's a psychological thing. Again, what this said is right. Always keep sharp. If you're too leg and have too much rest, it can actually work adversely. But the thing about it is that if you have the mindset of we're here to win every single game, the, the moment you're happy with losing a game, that's mental, mentally and psychologically isn't good for you. So the fact that Liverpool and even Klopp was sort of okay with losing to Wolves because oh we can now focus on the league. That was a bad mentality to have because I just think psychologically, just being in the FA Cup and okay, I'm an FA Cup here game, game here, winning games, whatever games they are, FA Cup, League Cup, whatever, helps you to win the next game. Like winning any game helps to win the next, the next, the next, the next, the next, the next, the next. So because again, for me, I think what Drift said actually has illuminated it for me because I say, wait, because like, what is what is the reason? And when I look at Liverpool's last few games, there's a lack of sharpness, a lack of energy. And whenever you're misplacing passes and those wanters are not happening, that's a lack of sharpness. When, okay, whenever you're in a, a rhythm, it's because you're sharp and you're actually playing games. So if you have a long rest, you can train all, all you want. As long as that referee blows a whistle and you're in an actual 11 aside, 11 aside a game, not training, and you've not really played in a game like, like this for, for many days, you lose that sharpness. And it takes a long time for that sharpness, the, the one suits, the, the, the give and goes. Okay, and I know he's where he's going to run to when we're not on the same wavelength. It takes time to really get into that rhythm, which is what they have lost. So mm. there was one situation that I saw come up after the game. I mean, not after, but I guess it was during. It was like Michael Owen said that because Marcus Rashford was injured, that like the Liverpool players should like kick him in the ankle. And, and, <laughs> and, and people were like, bro, like you spent more time in a hospital bed than your own bed during your career and you're going out advising people to like injure people it was kind of crazy i was like you know what 
I mean, let's be real, yeah. We live in a PC world where we're not allowed to say anything anymore and 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 whatnot. But secretly, deep down, it's kind of the thing that you would kind of, as a manager, you probably would say. Let's be honest. You probably would be in the chamber and be like, you know what? Because I mean, let's. Let, I mean, obviously, it is a horrible thing to to kind of like try and deliberately take someone out. But let's be honest, football is still sport. So let me give an example. If you were in a UFC fight. And you knew that the guy you were fighting against had a dislocated shoulder in his last fight and he was out for three months. He got surgeries back. Let's be honest. I know fighting and football are different, but you're going straight for the shoulder. You are. You're going to go for that shoulder and you're going to test it. You're going to see if it's fixed. And if it's not, you're going to win that fight. And it's kind of the same thing with football. So you don't say it publicly. You just don't. Mm. But you know what? You probably would privately be like to Van Dijk and Matip. If you're near him, Give him a little extra. See if he's how sturdy he is on that ankle. Do you know what I mean? Now, I, I don't condone it, but let's be honest. We grew up in a world where, as I said, it's all PC now. In the 80s, do you know how many times in the 90s, growing up playing football, Sunday league, do you know how many times my manager told me to stick it on someone? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it is what it is, man. Do you know what I mean? But Owen shouldn't have said it publicly. You can't be commentating on a game millions of people are listening to and as you said especially when he's had literally career-ending injuries himself they weren't like that they were muscular so it's a bit different but like he can't be like you know advocated yeah just brock him up basically just brush him up i think people up, are know? shooting the messenger more than they might be killing the message in that sense like you bro yeah. you're the one that's talking about hurt someone like come on man uh, that's what i think anyway see it's in public even if like look why can't we say things in public like i i'm i'm, I'm all for if you're racist or a prick, be a racist and a prick in public so we now know where you stand. I mean, if we're much more open, I think that's great. But you obviously can't say, screw you, I want to beat you in the head like in public. But the thing about this is that it is true. If you know that guy is thinking on an engine, this is a high, high level football. Any single thing to get an advantage you do. I've been open and saying that I would, I would dope to win a World Cup. If I'm Nigerian or anything, I would dope and take drugs. With <laughs> you guys already lied about your age to win the World Cups. So. <laughs> I would deal with the repercussions afterwards. But yeah, like if it's a winning of like I'm in a final and I can dope to win it, let me just give the, the glory. Then I'll deal with the repercussions afterwards. But when the stakes are so high, screw it. Like do whatever you have to do within the confines of the rules. Even if you have to break the rules somehow, because all that matters is winning. That's all. Life is about winners and losers. Choose one. Depends which way you want to be perceived afterwards, because obviously you can't go too far in like win at all costs because there are still morals and you still have to have, you know, some level of. I mean, I guess it kind of shows how great we are as a club that we didn't target him. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I don't mean to be funny, but if this was a lesser team, you know, a team with lesser morals, I mean, Double H, I hate to say it, but if this was a John Terry Chelsea, they're going for that ankle deliberately. It would be obvious. You would actually be watching the game and you'd be like, they're trying to kill Rashford. Do you get what I mean? So you, I think Liverpool need to be given a bit of credit. We left him alone there. We literally left him alone. We could have gone for that ankle. We really could have, but... We took mercy and we were like, no, we're not that way inclined. So, you know what I mean? you got to give a little bit of credit to us for that. All right. Uh, and lastly, I guess, on, on, on the Liverpool subject. So, Drifty, I just I just want to get your... I don't think we've had a Liverpool, a Liverpool fan on the podcast before. It's 130 episodes deep and you're the first one. So, do you think you're going to win? I, and this is a weird question to ask you because I know your kind of proclivity to be negative. 
But how confident are you, I guess is a better question, in your chances to eventually lift the Premier League? Don't use reverse psychology, be honest. You see, this is the thing, and, and Double H keeps talking about reverse psychology, and since he keeps putting it out there, then I guess I have to talk about it. I think the thing that I've got to learn in this YouTube game is my normal state of mind isn't going to work if I'm kind of giving opinions on stuff. And yeah, a lot of the time, you do think to yourself, you know, if I prepare myself for the worst, I can enjoy the best. Do you know what I mean? And if I make myself believe it will happen, I'm going to be even more disappointed. Now, when you've got people that are not, not looking up to you, I don't want to make it sound like I'm some bloody all being or something, but there are people who come to me or they listen to me because they do want to hear my opinion. So I guess you do have to try and get a balance between the two in that respect. For me personally, I don't think we're going to win the league. I just hope and I pray we're going to win the league. When people, you know, watch me or listen to me talking stuff, they just want pure positivity. They, ju mm. they just want all of this. We're going to do it. It's going to be okay. And I get that. But from my point of view, I'm like, well, I'm not being true to myself then. I'm just going to be saying what you want me to say. And I won't do that. I will never be that guy. And that's mm. why I keep having so many problems with people in the comments and on Twitter because they call me an idiot. They call me this. They call me that. And I'm like, well... I don't get to see your emotional state or your, your mindset week after week. And let's be honest, and obviously I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but every football fan is bipolar. Every single football fan is bipolar. There's no such thing as a football fan who has one way of thinking and that way stays like that for the entirety of their life, the season, whatever it is. Every fan, if you watch a video in, in August, then you watch a video in December, then you watch a video in May, will have contradicted or changed their mind the entire way. That's what football is. There's mm. stages. Football has seasons. Football is like the weather. It's, it's, it's like the world. Nothing would just be like it is in August and the same in May. So if I change my mind along the way, so what? I'm allowed to do that. What? Ah, <laughs> uh, you said this then, therefore that means that you're a hypocrite or you talk rubbish or rep. No. I watched what happened. I changed my mind. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just how it goes. If you'd have asked me in December uh, what the situation was, I was way more confident than I am now. I was still obviously apprehensive and I was still worried. But I, there was a big part of me that was like, we've got a seven-point lead here. We still have to play them. We beat them. We take it to 10. Listen, we've got a major, major opportunity here to win the league. And win the league, not comfortably, but win the league without real headache. We're two months down the line now. We've got a one-point lead, which is nothing. Like, what's a one-point lead over Manchester City? Like, we're talking about nothing here. Do you know what I mean? So now, no, nah, I don't think we're going to win the league. I just don't. Like, I can't see my team winning more games and more points than they do. I looked at the fixtures. I've looked at what they have to play. And I've just thought to myself, if we win this, it will be the single greatest achievement I've ever seen my team accomplish. It truly will. There's there's no greater team in the Premier League, in my opinion, than this Man City team. I know the, the 99 Man United team was phenomenal. I know the unbeaten team of Arsenal was phenomenal. But for me, this Man City team just screams everything about greatness. If we somehow get over this line, it will be the single greatest achievement I've ever seen my club achieve. But I don't. And obviously, I'm not talking about Liverpool's history. I'm talking about since I've been alive, before the Liverpool fans come at me for saying that as well. But I pray, I hope, 
I reverse psychology. I every, you know, <laughs> juju as double H would say, white magic, black magic. I don't care what magic. I want to use whatever I can to get my team over the line. But the realist in me says Man City have a better squad. They have a better, a better form. Uh, they have better players. And I just don't see it. I just don't see it, man. I think we've been doing this podcast almost three years. I've never picked Chelsea to win anything. Never. Because my theory is, one, I'm a jinx. If I say we're going to win, we're not going to win. <laughs> and I have that theory that, you know, expectation is the root of all heartache. I'm sure that's yeah. a famous quote that you guys know. But if you expect your club to win something and they don't, you feel worse. So you might as well just expect nothing. And then if you get exactly. something, it's like, yay. Rather than have that pain of like, damn, man, I wish we would have won. You know? When, when I'm going to put out my, my thing, I said Liverpool have flopped. They've messed up the whole title thing. The amount of people that said, look at this idiot. Liverpool are top of the league. They're, they're one point clear. And this idiot is saying that they've messed up the, 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 the title. And I'm like, are people really that stupid that they don't understand what I'm saying from a psychological point of view? And the thing about Drift, what Drift says is that I think it's like the human condition. Mm. People just like to feel happy. And they just want to hear positive things all the, the, the time. And even when mm. bad things happen, they always want to view a positive spin on it. But I think that there is a room for honesty. And even for me as well, I can only be like, honesty is what I thrive myself on. Like that is just what is like, that's like my, my drug, being brutally, brutally, brutally honest. So from where Drift's point of view is, is that he's looking at it, looking at the bigger picture. People are viewing it very two-dimensional. Though. Wait a minute, one minute, well, we're only one, we're, we're one point ahead. Who's top of the table? City still have to win. But you have to look at City's form, Liverpool's form, the psychological aspects of Liverpool. It was a point where you, it could have been a, a 10-point gap. So being, from possibly being a 10-point gap to now only being a point ahead with another team having a, a game in hand, that is a huge mental breakdown. So... The game in hand isn't there now. It's it's all even now. Yeah, we play the same amount of games now. I mean, no, but the, but the only worry with a one point lead is you draw, they win. They're up a point. A point lead over Man City at, at, with eleven well, games to nothing. go is nothing. It's it's absolutely nothing. Because because the key thing is form. Form. Liverpool, mm. as of right now, they're not right on form. City have just won this trophy, and I think even that's what even like Mourinho said is like that League Cup thing is huge for really getting you into a game into the because just winning that trophy the celebration you're looking at the medals it just gets your brain into winning mode so as mm. of right now i'm more confident in city winning their next game than liverpool winning their next game because liverpool mm. have to greatly improve their performance from the crap i saw against united and the, the figures as well these, these fans that, that keep on coming at me and i find it hilarious by the way it doesn't bother me in the slightest it's just hilarious and you know when you've got five minutes to yourself on the train or something you just go through and you're just smiling to yourself like i can't believe what these people are saying but um the thing that annoys me if anything annoys me is these guys keep on telling me how negative i am and and this and that and this when the end of the season comes if i'm right None of these idiots are going to come and apologise. They'll sit on their high horse and they'll talk shit and they'll probably even try and blame me. I put the negativity Mm. in the air. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Or some crap. Nobody's ever going to be like, do you know what? He really was making sense. We were just being stupid and and blind. And and a lot of fans, this is the thing with a lot of people, fans especially. I've noticed Liverpool fans a lot as well. They're my people, we're family, I love you all. But... There's a thing with Liverpool fans where I've started to notice it myself. There's this kind of feeling that of superiority. Now I get it. We're an elite club. We're the second biggest team in England. 
if you kind of check that man, may not have one trophy more than us on on an overall scale. So technically, they're the biggest club. I think we are because we won more European trophies. But anyway, so either way you want to put it, we're the biggest, we're the second biggest club. But we haven't won anything for a while. So calm down on your feeling of like, we, we, we have this deserved divine right to be the best. And I feel like that's the ignorance that doesn't allow them to listen to me and understand I'm being real. You feel like we're supposed to win. We're supposed to be the best. We're at the top. That means we're the best. If you're not at the top at the end of May, it means nothing. I would be second for the whole season and win on the last day of the season and win the league rather than be top for the whole season and keep going, we're top, we're top, we're top, and then not winning it. It makes no difference. When we don't, if we don't win the league, I'm going to say if so, not win, that's rubbish. If we don't <laughs> win the league, none of these people will apologise to me. None of them will be like, no, Drift, you know what? You were the only one that was seeing sense. I'm not the only one, because a lot of people do agree with me, actually. But you were the only one who was just seeing sense and you were just keeping it real. And you was the one that was like, let's just lower our feeling of like, we're supposed to be this great team. None of them. You know, I'll make an apology video. If we win the league, I am throwing a title winning party and I will give a 10 minute apology speech. I have no qualms with doing that. Do you know what I mean? But these people want to apologise to me. So double standards, man. I just look at just like the various fan channels that are around and everything. And again, I just think it, it, it depends on who, what kind of person you are and what kind of fan you are. There are just some people who let's always try and look at the positive side of things. Again, I would say that myself, I'm a complicated Chelsea fan. So the best thing I can, the best example I can bring up is, Ni- is Nigeria. I can, because of my country, my identity and what it's about, I can only be painfully, brutally honest about assessing that flipping team. I will accept zero excuses. I will cop zero pleas. And the thing about this is that I, will, I cannot understand anybody who will then chastise me for like, oh my gosh, you don't oh, you don't love your country. Look at you like a fake Nai Nigerian and, and everything. And I'm like, because again, key example is this. Me and Kelechi from Arsenal Fan TV. I have no qualms with what he's about, but I get what he's about. He's about, let's always be positive. Let's do the Nigerian thing and everything. But for me about this is that because football is so passionate for, for, for me, I'm so obsessive about it. And Nigeria is so, is so important to me. Mm. If something is so important to you, you have to be honest. It doesn't make any sense for you not to be brutally honest when something really matters to you. So I don't get people who are like, this thing is important to me, but I will only look at the positivity. Okay. How do you progress if you're not honest? It's a sheep mentality without being rude. You're, you're just following. You're not making your own decision. You're not making your own conclusion. You're just following. And you have a kind of inner weakness within you where you feel like it's a weakness to a- admit something that is a weakness. You know, mm. I, I, a lot of men have this. I mean, obviously women do it as well, but mm. this is a problem with men. It's a male pride. If I admit you're better than me, I'm not giving you credit. I'm discrediting myself. Therefore, I will never do it. No, Why? That, 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 that isn't how life works. Saying that you think somebody is better than you at something, it doesn't discredit you. You're just saying mm. well done to you. But everybody is too unwilling to do that. So they're like, no, we're the best. We're great. Everything's positive. And they're just unwilling to accept. No. That team is better than us. It just They just are. Accept mm. it. That team is better than us. We are not the best. Do you know what I mean? Like, For instance, like with the whole Salah thing, I am so happy when there are Liverpool fans who come out and say, nah, man, Salah has been really bad these past few matches. In the big games, he hasn't shown up. But then there are some others, again, on the Twitter sphere, who are like, if anything bad is said towards Salah, it's like a crazy attack, like, because it is almost sacrilegious or completely wrong 
you know, mm. to say anything bad about Salah because he's the guy that's got all the goals. He's a poster boy. He's a superstar. He's. I'm like, the only way that you will improve is if you are honest in your assessment. If mm. someone is playing like crap, and like, don't worry, you'll do better. Don't worry, you'll do better. Surely you should take a different type of like, yo, bro, you're playing like complete crap. Do you know you're playing like crap? And if you accept that you're playing like crap, then you can then look into yourself and like, man, damn it, I am playing like a flipping brick. Maybe I need mm. to think about how to play, play better. But the key thing is I cannot converse or interact with anybody who only sees positive things and only wants to be happy. For me, I don't know how to interact with, with you. Like the I, only I, thing everybody honestly, wants to be happy. It's just a matter of like, are you willing to reject reality in order to be happy? And, and are you being honest with yourself? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't get how you can watch something crumbling and not see. And, and I mean, it's, it's a thing of some fans, fans think they've got like more right to celebrate if Liverpool win than me. How dare you? How dare you? Because you didn't say anything negative during the season and I did. And there was negativity to be said. Now you have more of a right to celebrate than I do. Get out of here with that crap. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what, what are you talking about? It's just a crazy thing, man. I, I don't understand where these people come from or, or, or why, they're, why they're afraid to. Just be honest. Just be real. That's all I ask. Just be real. You watched us go from a 10-point lead to a 1-point lead. That's crap. Just be honest. Just be honest. It is crap. It is terrible form. We are throwing this away. And even if we end up winning it, it won't be that this period wasn't bad. It will be because, thankfully, Man City messed up again along the way. I mean, put it this way. It's like if you go to the Newcastle game, after the Newcastle game against Man City, Bernardo Silva said that they all felt that that's it. The title is done. Like they felt at that moment when they lost to Newcastle, this was the definitive moment where we pretty much gave away the title. Because in their minds, they knew that now Liverpool will beat Leicester City, they'll beat West Ham, and it will be just too much for us to keep on chasing them. Again, to drift this point, again, you have to look at the psychological aspect. From almost making it a 10-point gap to now only being a one-point gap, that's crazy. That mm. is crazy. Like, psychologically, if your players, you'll be saying to yourselves, oh, my God, the amount of times Leicester City, West Ham, Man United, the amount of times we had opportunities to, ex to extend this lead and we kept on flopping, that will mentally scar you. And if you're Man City and you're like, my God, we lost to flipping Newcastle, this is it, our title is done. And somehow, someway, you've pretty much got yourself within one point of, of it, you are totally rejuvenated. So, and that's just, and that's just facts. And they just won a trophy, if I can make a little segue. Oh. <laughs> you know, we just kind of went through the whole thing of like, I, I, I don't expect Chelsea to win a trophy. I don't think anybody expected Chelsea to win uh, yesterday. After the 6-0, if you would have offered me penalties, I think I would have laughed at you and swore, like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> like, there's no way we're going to get to penalties. We've talked about Sarri's stubbornness for months now, it feels like. He changed it up, Double H. He changed it up. Like, they weren't pressing as high. They kind of stayed in the middle block. It was different false nine so he had pedro and william on the wings we talked about that in previous episodes about how they can patrol the flanks better alonzo was benched which was a good thing no for me no i think no chelsea played really well like i was very surprised i think first half city totally dominated chelsea were pretty much like defending and you could just say like they were just pretty much fighting off scraps but second half extra time it just seemed that chelsea just sort of really figured out and had a better grasp of the, the game Jorginho looked a lot better than he's done in a lot of the big games. 
Um, Kante was amazing. He was easily mm -hmm. the best player on that pitch. What he was doing defensively, his interceptions, his passing, his breakaways, and so forth, just, it just shows how outstandingly versatile he is as, as a player. So yeah, I just think you know, and City, of course, basically, by the time you go to the extra time, you had like you know, end to end. City had their chances, Chelsea had their chances, and and everything. But overall, it would be pretty unfair to sack Sari now. Penalty shoot shoots out, it, it's it's a lottery. That does not involve the manager whatsoever. That's just it's it's a lottery. But as far as the the game where the manager can really affect things, in those hundred and twenty minutes, Chelsea had very good chances to win. You know, like if. If Pedro knew how to play the sport of football, <laughs> when Hazard passed in the match, he could, could do something with the ball at his feet. Who knows? Oh, man. I actually didn't know if I was going to record the podcast today because I was having, like, hip pain, basically, like, all weekend. But I was watching the game, and Hazard gives the ball to Pedro. I'm like, okay, we're actually going to have a shot on goal here. And then he tries to pass it. Yo, I jump. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> And I jumped out of bed. I was like, ah, shit. It was like, <laughs> bro, that was Pedro so annoyed. And, and I was glad that Sari pulled him for Hudson Odoi as well, because I thought William was going to come off. Do you know what? I, I was very, very surprised, pleasantly, at how well Chelsea did actually play in this game compared to, to the last game. The funny thing is, Chelsea played really well at the beginning of the season. And obviously, they even beat City. They were the first team to actually take their unbeaten run from them. And I think a lot of people have lost that in in all of this and it kind of makes me wonder why you know again it's a, a psychological thing here it's, it's got to be mental because if they adapted to Sari's tactics as quickly as they did played as well as they did at the beginning of the season I remember you guys were unbeaten for around nine or ten games as well right mm. it, it was quite a long run or was it 13 games it was definitely a, a very good run do you know what I mean and and at Chelsea had a lot of people thinking including myself they could be involved in a title race. Maybe not win it, but they will, you know, maybe like how, how Tottenham are at the moment. They'll, they'll be there. They'll, they'll, they'll be around. Mm. No one will really take them seriously as in you are going to do it, but you're, you're going to be around. You'll have a say in it. And then right. all of a sudden, it kind of just fell off a cliff out of nowhere. And I just got a feeling, and I know I don't know how much, how much you guys agree with me because it, it's harder to accept it when you're a Chelsea fan than when you're looking at it from the outside. But, this player power thing, it is the problem. I feel like maybe the players were okay at the beginning and then it was a lot of hard work and a lot of new things to take on and they just couldn't be bothered anymore. And then that was when Chelsea started to underperform a bit because I don't really get how you can perform so well at the beginning, have so many good games. Chelsea played well against Liverpool. You beat City. You play, do you know what I mean? You, you, you played really well in some of the games and then all of a sudden just got bad, just out of nowhere like embarrassingly bad. That only happens when there's something going on psychologically. That's not ability. That's nothing to do with the ability of the club. There are very good players in that team, whether people want to banter you or not. Rudiger, quality player. Azbilicueta, quality player. Hazard speaks for himself. I still rate William. He may be unmotivated what? and inconsistent, <laughs> but he's still got ability. There's no doubt. And the combination of Jorginho, uh, Kante and Kovacic, even though it's the wrong way round, that's a quality midfield. That is a very, very high quality midfield. Nobody can ever say any of those players are below class. They may not be world, well, Kante's world class, but the other two are still class players. They're no mugs, you know what I mean? And I just don't know how you just fell off a cliff all of a sudden. But I enjoyed the game yesterday. 
I did. I, I, I actually thought Chelsea was a better team. And if you didn't have a number five who, you know, instead of taking a penalty, thought he was playing hopscotch in the playground, <laughs> maybe <laughs> you may have won the shootout. We'll get to the penalty shootout. All right, so it was a really good performance, even though I think Chelsea didn't have any shots on target. I mean, they, we created enough opportunities to score. We just didn't. And the performance was kind of overshadowed by what happened in basically the last minute of extra time where Kepa went down twice in a matter of like five minutes, probably. I, I can't recall the minutes offhand, but he went down for treatment twice. So I was like, all right, I have this fourth substitution that they give me, so I might as well put on Caballero. And Kepa just stands there and is like, nah, nah, fam. Like, I'm not coming <laughs> off. Like, I don't know who you think you are, but not me. <laughs> not me. <laughs> And it was very strange. And now they've come out and said, oh, it was a misunderstanding, which I think is just cover because Sorry doesn't want to throw him under the bus because he's already under pressure. And if he says, yo, I wanted to take him off and he just said no, then reporters are going to ask him basically so you don't have control over your players and that's going to go its own way. So he kind of the club kind of has to come out with a cover story in that way. Would you would that ever have happened in, in like Sunday League or whatever? Like, would you ever see your name just come up and you just be like, "Nah, I'm not coming off? If I'm honest with you, when you're younger as well, because Kepper is about 23, right? Mm. 23, he's, he's 24, a, he, somewhere in there. He's a very young goalie as well, which which for me makes it even worse because just on a basic level of life, where's your respect for your elders, bro? Like, do you know what I mean? Just a basic <laughs> level of upbringing, bro. Like, it home may not training, be right, but they told you what to do. They're older than you. Do it. But yeah, I I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know why... He felt it was okay. I've watched football for 30 years and I've never in my life seen a player, not even a not even a, not even a Zidane, not even a Pele, not a Maradona. Nobody has been able to tell the manager, no, I am not coming off the pitch. And there's a bigger picture here, as I said, it's the player power thing. And I feel sorry for Sari. Uh, in the sense that he knows it's a losing battle. And the funny thing is, Double H may even remember this. I told you guys, I have inside information through through fan, friends and family who are agents and stuff like that. And I told you, Double H, players have meetings behind the manager's back at Chelsea. And did you see it came out the other day? Like it's been leaked now. But I told you that information a while ago, man. I told you, you got to listen to Drifty. I'm telling you. And, and if that was Klopp, if that was Fergie, if that was me, even your boy, Jose, if that was Pep, if that was anyone else, Kepa would have been lucky to be alive if he told that manager. Now, Klopp would have come on the pitch, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck like a kitten and dragged him off that pitch. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He maybe would have even put him in his mouth. He would have been that angry and dragged him off the pitch like a lion dragging his cub or a carcass even. I don't know what's going to happen after this. You know, I feel sorry for Caballero as well. He shed a tear. Mm. Let's let, let's have a moment for his teammate. He robbed him of his moment in the final, which is very selfish, very selfish. It proves Kepa's not really a team player as such. He's selfish. He only thought of himself. He's a £75 million goalkeeper, so you can't like punish him. Let's be honest here. He knows he's got the power. You can't play mm. Caballero now for five games and bench a £75 million goalkeeper. So he's opened up a whole can of worms now. The beauty about debate is having a different side to things. This is how I saw it, because there are many elements to what happened in this situation. In the very basic view, Kepa went down injured. He then said it was fine. And then he then says, oh, they want to sub him off. 
my reading of it was that Kepa thought that they're then bringing me off because they think I'm injured and I won't be fit enough for the penalty shootout. In the heat of the moment, the gravity of the game, a final, you're like, no, 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 I'm fine. So when the referee goes to him, he's saying to the referee, no, 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 tell Sarri, I'm thinking, I'm fine, I'm cool, I'm, I'm, I'm not injured. So when the referee now goes back to Sarri and Zola, I think what they're now saying to the referee is, no, injury or not, we want to make the substitution. That brings in another element, the referee. I feel that the referee should follow procedure. If the referee hears from the fourth official, yo, homeboy, his um, number is up, they want to make the decision, they've gone through the procedure of um, giving in the sub that they want to make, you go to Kepa and say, yo, bro, this game is not starting until you get your ass off this flipping pitch because my fourth official has told me your number is up. So you can stay all you want. You're not, I am not blowing the whistle until you get off this freaking pitch. And eventually he'll get off the freaking pitch because he'll be put under pressure. Another mm -hmm. element is Aspilicueta. I learned that Aspilicueta is not only Spanish, he's Basque as well. He's from the very same region as Kepa is. Mm -hmm. This just shows you the issue with Chelsea right now where there was no captain. How is it that your captain doesn't step into that situation and speaks in Spanish to Kepa and say, yo, Kepa, yo, look, come off. So mm. Aspilicueta, as the captain of the team, should have gone to Sarri, learnt what the instructions are, go to Kepa and say, yo, bro, get off the flipping pitch. Your number is up. They've already told you that. Andrew Knotts, go off. And mm. then it's like that. But I think another one as well, because I was watching ESPN FC and a very interesting point was made, is Sarri. See, by Sarri going crazy, going a strop, banging the chair, almost leaving the stadium, it even makes the situation even worse. Sari should have just really stood his ground, said then say, yo, even as Scripps was saying, go on to the pitch if you have to. Because if you had st stood strong and said, no, ref, stop, the tell that boy, come off. Injured not, tell him to come off. Don't start the game, tell him to come off. We've, we've, made, we've made the substitution, follow the flipping proper procedure, because you can't ignore the procedure. Bring him off. This is the, we, we are, we're starting, I want a sub to be made. And boom, those are the many different elements that are there. So I think people just say, my gosh, Kepa is horrible. Chelsea are rotten from the inside. This is terrible. I'm like, oh, guys, come on. Like, there are so many different elements you have to know. Uh, the rotting has been happening from before this, though. This isn't nothing to do with, with that in terms of, like, it's not just only being said because of this. People mm -hmm. have known player power has been a problem at Chelsea Why two managers have been sacked, Jose and Conte. VS um, Boas, if you, you know, want to go back even further. Yeah, so do you know what I mean? I don't think it's just that double H. I don't think it's literally only that situation. And to be honest, I feel like well, you you made very very good points. I I hadn't actually even thought about. So I'm glad you said it because for real, the referee really should have made his mark. And as the captain, for real, he should have. But maybe it's because Azpilicueta is part of the players who aren't really in favour of yeah. Sarri, so they don't respect yeah. him. So it's still player power. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather my friend stayed on. We're not going to listen to you. And I feel like it was a cry for help from Sari, all the banging and shouting. It was his way of being like, look what I'm dealing with. You have no choice at Chelsea, bro. Let's be honest. Every Chelsea manager ends up throwing his toys out the pram. They do. None of them hold their dignity. And these are very dignified <laughs> men. True. And none of them hold their dignity in the Chelsea post. Do you know what I mean? Conte's okay. John Wick. When did John Wick ever lose his call? Conte lost his call, though, bro. He lost you, it. You're John, John, John McThree out this this minute. <laughs> off, baby. Um, no, 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 Kipo, but my, my thing is this is that before Terry and Adam were pretty much shouting me down on UFF because I, I could hardly get a word in because they were going on their whole crusade, you have to look at the roots of the problem. Abramovich, did you know that Emsari 
says he can't contact Abramovich. <laughs> so Abramovich <laughs> is because when you look at Abramovich, he's not like any owner. Like this guy is very street psychologically, mentally, he's he's very rogue. He has created a culture where no, the players are the kings here. So if you're a manager coming in, that's just it's what it is. If you want to change the culture, you, you change the guy who has bankrolled this success because without his money, Chelsea don't win all of these trophies. So the mm. culture has been created by the by the owner because Abramovich is like, nah, I don't have a long-term vision for this whole thing. Any guy that's coming in, I want you to succeed now because I've spent all this money on these players. These players are top tier, high tier, and I want success now. He didn't get that rich by being stupid, bro. And surely a smart man would know, right, I, I do need to change this a bit. I'm running out of managers to hire here. Because remember, Chelsea for him, it's like his thing. He's not like, okay, of, of course he lost for He's very passionate about football, but I don't want to make any allegations, but let's just say he made his money in interesting ways. Because I've just watched a few documentaries. Again, I don't want to say anything because, look, he's Russian. And I, <laughs> <laughs> like, I've known many Russians in my life, so I don't want to say it's, anything. It's available for anyone who wants to look it up how he made his money. The bulk of it, anyway. Oh, well. <laughs> so, but my thing is that I, it's, it's not going to change it anytime soon. He is set in his ways of how he rules. So if you're a manager coming into Chelsea, it is what it is. So in hindsight, Sarri was... He's, 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 he's like the right man, but the wrong man for, for, for Chelsea. He's right in a sense of... When you just look at the culture of Chelsea and so forth, him being Italian as well, that's the kind of football that Chelsea and the fans would actually really like. But he's the wrong man because he's definitely a guy who is very rigid and stuck in his philosophy and wouldn't change for anything. But what the kind of manager that Chelsea needs is... Yo, can you succeed now? Especially with these transfer bans, I don't know whether we'll get into that. If these transfer bans are up upheld, Sari is the wrong dude to be kept in charge because you need a guy who can work with the people who he has and can tweak change, tweak change, tweak change. Not the guy because mm -hmm. I know philosophy. This is it. I ain't changing for now. So all right. So last on this, maybe maybe we can talk about the penalty shootout. Okay, so if you were Chelsea manager and you decide Caballero, he's the better shot stopper. This guy looks hurt. I want to put my goalkeeper on, and the goalkeeper waves at you. Now nah, I'm not coming off. What do you do in public? What do you do in private? In public, in the heat of moment, especially in football, I never really blame anyone when they do things emotionally. Um, it's always funny to try and banter people, but if you don't have emotion of the highest level when it comes to football, I genuinely don't know why you bother watching it, to be honest with you. Football is emotion and nothing else. If you can literally watch a game and go, well, that was good, and then just get on with your day, go watch tennis or something. You're watching the wrong sport. So in that moment, emotionally, I may have got over angry and not necessarily been like, sorry, but you would have known. You would have been able to physically see my frustration and my anger. Behind closed doors, I'm tempted to say I would have took the rest of the playing staff and rushed him, but... Um, <laughs> But you know, if it's me, I'm, I'm, me, I'm, definitely I'm, <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. You know what I mean? So I, I would have, I would have really stood my ground. I, I really would have. I would have said, no, Caballero's the better goalie for penalties. He's won penalty shootouts because of how good he is before. He's proven. I don't want to regret not bringing on the person who I feel would have 100% saved every one of those Man City penalties, maybe bar the Sterling one, Sterling's penalty was special. But if you look at the other City penalties, they were all savable and Kepa should have saved two of them. And Caballero probably would have. And I wouldn't have wanted that regret of thinking, why didn't I stand my ground and do what I wanted to do? So I would have probably told the ref, 
go and make sure he gets off. I don't care. Delay the game as long as you want. He's the one being embarrassed here. He's the one. No one else in this club is embarrassing himself right now apart from him. You know what I mean? Get Tell him to get off the pitch. I wouldn't have allowed that game to continue without Caballero. I just wouldn't have. This is a tricky one. Okay, so in public, I get the whole emotion thing. But remember, this is HH that's managing here. If I know that my keeper is a top penalty shootout and everything, and I know that he's definitely better than thinking, and it's a change I'm, I'm making, I'm walking onto the pitch and I'm dragging him off. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying, bro, I'm not going to lose a final because of you stropping. So screw you. So yeah, so like, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll literally drag him off. And I'll say, I feel like I will, I will, I will beat you up if you continue with, with this game and this guy doesn't come off. <laughs> so in private, and, and, this, and this is the thing, for me, I believe that if I've held the dressing room, that can't happen. So if let's say I've, I know that I've not lost the, the dressing room and I've held the dressing room, in private, I will berate that guy and say, how dare you disrespect me like that? If I have the dressing room, if I've lost the dressing room, there's, there's nothing I can say to him in private. There's nothing. Because I know that I expected that to, to happen. Because again, every manager knows when they've had the dressing room and when they've lost the dressing room. They know. So that is very important in the reaction they have. In, in public, I feel like Sari did himself a disservice in the way he reacted because he reacted like a madman and he probably just should have kept his cool and just been on the bench and just kept saying, no, you're coming off, you're coming off. We just he's had the dialogue, as you guys said, with the, with the referee about just like, look, he's coming off. Like the, the, the fourth official had the board up with like the number one in red. Caballero was on the touchline. He was in his green kit. Like it was clearly obvious what Sari wanted. So if it's me, I'm just I'm just there. Like we're not starting this game until you get your ass off the pitch. Plain and simple. The referee can add however many minutes he wants to add, but that's that. In public, in, in private rather. Man. I mean, there's there's a lot of swearing going on. A lot of fucks. <laughs> there's I, like I don't know if you're sorry if you can like slap him. And if it was me, I'd be very tempted to like just put hands on people. And I'm not a violent person, but like it, it's almost like if you are in walmart's or whatever grocery store tesco whatever you guys have and like there's just like a little kid who's just indignant with their parents and they're just creating a storm just yelling and you could just like just slap them i mean i know it's frowned upon <laughs> and like and, and and like you're not supposed to beat your kids anymore but it's just like yo just if you slap them they'll stop and maybe nah, man, punish your, your kids man punish your, your that's, listen, that's, that's, Ke Kepa is the example of what happens when you don't slap your children <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they talk sure. back. Just, it was just you have to discipline your your, your kids. And and it, it was the hubris of it that that's really annoying because Kepa missed I think the last game although it was Europa League but he he missed because he he failed a fitness test. So sorry knows in the back of his mind this guy was just injured. He's gone down twice for treatment. And Caballero used to play at Manchester City and is a known shot stopper. Yeah. So yeah. it all makes Bad sense to me. Good shot stopper. Get off the pitch. It would have it taken a lot for me not to try to hit him. You're embarrassing me in public. It's one of those, like, you embarrassing me like this. Like, no, 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 no. So both of you, let's say that you you know that you've lost the dressing room. Does that change how you react publicly and privately? No. No. It's not a question of other people at that point. It's between me and you. It's not like, what is the rest of the world going to think? What is... The dressing room mm. gonna think i don't care about that like i am your boss you do what i say 
period. I don't care about whether what Hazard or Rudiger thinks, whether I've lost the dressing room. You obey me because I am who I am, period. Mm. And it doesn't really matter whether I'm going to lose my job for this or maybe in a week's time or two weeks' time. I'm in a situation where I know I'm going to lose my job anyway, so I'm not going to let my dignity go. Right. Or let my or, or, or let, let, let a player, you know, one third of my age, pretty much, disrespect me. <laughs> Damn in sure not somebody named Kepper. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Buffon. Maybe Neuer. Maybe. But even still, as Drifty kind of alluded to, like Maradona, Pele, Zedad, never seen this before. If... If Valverde puts up the number 10, Messi's coming off the pitch. He's not like, nah. And there's always mm. these theories about, like, Messi runs Barcelona, this, that. He's coming off the pitch because he's a professional in that way. Kepa? Mm. <laughs> who, is, who is Kepa? Nobody yeah. knew about this dude unless you, like, really into Spanish football until this season. <laughs> who are you? Bro, It, it, nah. it was, it was it majorly, slaps. majorly it disrespectful. Slaps, majorly, majorly disrespectful. Mm -mm. <sighs> So Chelsea lost the shootout. Jorginho <laughs> tried his little skip. That was annoying. See, now no, I'm no, getting no, sweary. No, I'm no, getting no. sweary, man. You know, in the whole Jorginho thing, though, the thing about our penalty is that he's actually been pretty good with that technique. But the issue with that technique is that he relies on the keeper going the wrong way because he never really puts it right into the corner. But homeboy, whatever technique you do, what they always tell you is pick a side, make sure it's right in the corner. Jorginho's jo run-up was always going to fail and the Louise run-up from the D was always going to fail in a big moment. Like, Louise made the one that counted in the 2012 Champions League final, so credit to him. But that run-up was always going to fuck up eventually. And Jorginho's yeah. little skip thing, that was always going to fail. It just so Sprinting. happens they failed within three minutes of each other. So. Sprinting towards the ball like Louise does, it, there's, there's not enough composure in the shot. You're just literally in the ball as hard as you can exactly so I mean, you're I mean, trying to gather as much speed as possible to you know speed plus whatever equals power you know what i mean i'm not a mathematician but that's basically <laughs> what you're trying to do you're trying to sprint as fast as possible to hit the ball as hard as you humanly can that's a recipe for disaster that's just mm. not a good idea and the georgino one yeah if it does rely uh too much on trying to be smart and if the keeper has done his homework on you, there's probably a side you favour and he's going to take a gamble that you're going to go to that side because it's a pressure situation. So you're going to go where you're comfortable. You're not going to come out of your comfort zone. I, I've never even seen him take that penalty before. So I didn't even know that was how he did it. But I'm guessing he probably does go the same way more often than not. Yeah, it was just really strange that he decided to play hopscotch in a penalty shootout. I don't know what. <laughs> Belgium were in the, they played seven games at the World Cup. So Hazard wasn't in the team for like the first few weeks. Jorginho was the primary penalty taker. And I think we had two penalties and he did the same thing. I think uh, to his credit, he made both. But people get paid hundreds of, maybe not hundreds, thousands of dollars to study opposition players. Like, Manchester City has a guy that's like, okay, Jorginho goes this way, Hazard likes this, although he mm. did, like, a audacious panenka. But, you know, all for now. Oh, no, that that, that <laughs> might be the best penalty I've ever seen in a shootout. That was yeah. spectacular. Thank you, Drifty. Thank that you. That was you know spectacular. What, you know Drifty, you know, I'm so thankful you said that because <laughs> when I said that, people thought, oh, my gosh, he's, also, he's going on his whole Hazard fanboyish stuff. I'm like, bro. I've seen a lot of penalties, and this isn't a whole hazard fanboy. So I'm so glad someone that isn't 
either Chelsea or a Hazard fan guy has said that because do you know what made their penalty look better? It was the angle that the camera was. Normally they have yeah, the you know, yeah. on top, but this one was like directly behind. So you just got to I, see I didn't like it though. I felt like yeah, I was playing oh, a computer I didn't like it game. at all. No, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like a computer game. I didn't like it. But yeah, um, uh, you know, not... they, they 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 say life reflects art. I think just with ways like sports is telecast. I think in some ways they take cues from video games and things like that and then have that reflect real life. It's like an inverse. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a bad idea, though. Don't do it again, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't. Like, all right. So uh, we got questions. So let's do some quick questions and then we can get out of here, all right? Chelsea and Arsenal are having very similar seasons with new managers at the helm. So why are people acting like Chelsea's season has been a monumental flop compared to Arsenal's? Expectations are completely different. Yep. Expectations are, are everything. It's it's the reason why Chelsea probably do this whole sacking thing because as you guys even <laughs> said, Abramovich is like, So we've gone twelve months without winning this thing. Fuck off, I'm changing this and getting someone else in. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? And obviously you've become credit to you. I don't like the way Chelsea's ran. I think it's 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 abysmal the way people get treated and the whole racism thing as well, it winds me up big time. But even putting that to one side. You've been very, 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 very impressive in the last 15 years. There's no question. I think Chelsea are officially the most decorated club in the last 15 years, right? I, I'm sure that's 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 an in official. England? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in England, yeah. I'm I'm sure you are. So the model works. And even though I disagree with it, it works. So the expectation is totally different. It's totally different. At Arsenal, they know they're they they haven't got a chance of winning the league. They know that it's going to be hard to to deal with a manager who's been there for so long leaving. But the, the thing is, don't get me, don't get it twisted though. A lot of these fans, especially when you watch a lot of the fan channels, they they started out okay. They started out okay. They were behind Emery, you know, give him time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But as I said, football always changes. It's seasonal. Keep looking at the team every month, every other month, and things will change. And when I look at Arsenal fans talking about Arsenal now. They're pretending they still feel the same way about Emery that they did in the summer. Believe me, they are not happy with how many weird things he's done and how many embarrassing results Arsenal have had in the last maybe two or three months. Like They've been embarrassed quite a few times. They've had some decent results, but they've had some really embarrassing... I mean, the other day, who was it they lost to? Barte Borisov. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I mean, come on. But to the point I drifted me about the whole Chelsea racism thing, did you see Sterling's tweets? I did. There were two. So the one he focused on a Chelsea fan like doing like the VFU sign and Chelsea just like made a comment on it. But basically my thing about this is that I've seen a series of tweets where he's done stuff based off like Chelsea fans or, or whenever he scored against Chelsea and just like, sort of like, like laughing and mocking them. So it just shows that he definitely has a personal vendetta against Chelsea. And I've always said... This is why I call myself a complicated Chelsea fan. I look at Chelsea from the outside in. I'm, I mean, Danny T is a hardcore full-on Chelsea. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my thing about it is, I look. No, 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 no. Because no, no, as a, no, no. I say, my principles as a black man will always, always come before any club bullshit. So I cannot fully support a club that I know is racist. <laughs> so you know, that's just trying to throw me under the bus, man. You know our conversations. <laughs> I mean, double H, you say that, and I do believe that you do truly believe in your principles as a black man. I I know that. I know you personally, obviously, so I, I know mm. that's the truth. But I saw how slumped in the chair you were for that 6-0, bro. 
<laughs> I saw how slumped in the chair because you were I'm, for that six mil, bro. That's, that's where the look, comes from, bro. You was hurt, bro. Like, that wasn't a complicated <laughs> fan. That was a full-on love fest, bro. That... No, 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 because... <laughs> No, no, because Pep pisses me off. And this, <laughs> okay, like, you know, I don't know what's sort of going off the rails there, but this is, this is the weird thing. I'm not sure who I would be cool with winning the league. Because, you know, if Liverpool win the league, they're all the Liverpool fans that really annoy me. Obviously, I'm, school, I'm cool with the Hope Meets Banter crew. Like, sorry, sorry, with the um, Banter Football Baton crew. But they're all the Liverpool fans who are either really racist or just piss me off. But a lot of them are I, probably hardcore racist Liverpool podcast. I just don't like the guys. But I tell you, man, Pep is so arrogant. Watching that document, this guy is so arrogant that I don't even want him winning the, the, the league as well. And I always go for the underdog and the Goliath over the, the David thing. I'm like, yeah, it would be bad if Liverpool win. But you know what? I'd rather have that than Pep going on his whole arrogance. Oh, my gosh, we're seven points behind and this team. And, and I swear to you, he'll bring us another documentary. This is from oh that last question was from Pill Bill. Uh, this is from Ian Woodburn. Which potential center back for Manchester United would you most like to see partner with Lindelof? My answer: I'm not a Manchester United fan, but I would I would say Bye. I would like to see him fit. I think that would be a decent Bye is a head and shoulders Man United's best defender. Mm. Head and shoulders. Don't let this little purple patch from Lindelof fool you. Don't let anybody ever fool you into thinking Smalling and Jones are good defenders. Everything to do with Man United right now is hard to gauge because they're in a purple patch. They're having a great time. They're loving it. Everything's nice. They're, they're, they're having fun. It's very hard to be critical of them because they're doing so well. But it's also hard to keep perspective, um, especially the United fans who are just really getting carried away with everything. If Lindelof was a special, special talent, he would have done well in a defensive system. I keep saying this to a lot of Man United uh, fans when they want to say, I'll give you Pogba, I'll give you Martial, I'll give you Rashford, I'll give you all the attackers who didn't do well under Mourinho. But when a manager has a defensive setup and is a defensive coach, if the defenders aren't doing well, you can't blame anybody. You just can't. If you can't defend in a defensive system, what system can you defend in? So for me, Lindelof and, and, and this whole hype and whatever... Bailly is head and shoulders Man United's best defender. In Lindelof's defense, and I'll leave you with a question. When has Mourinho ever flopped on his center back? Um, hey, big fan from Colombia. Hey. How much do you know about South American club football? Did you watch the Copa Libertadores final play to Madrid? Any team in particular that has made an impression on you from Nicolas Ramos? I did watch it. I, I watched the couple. Yeah, of watched well, it wasn't like against them. Um, River Plate against Boca Juniors. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah. the derby there. How much do I know about South American club football? Not as much as I should. That would be my answer. No, basically, I used to watch it a lot back in the day, the 90s. Because obviously when... Because, um, again, this was when I just watched football 24-7. So whenever... I think whenever like a like Romario finished, he went back to Flamengo, or whenever Ronaldo finished, went back to Corinthians. So I used to watch. I remember watching Romario specifically because he when he finished his career, he went back to Flamengo. I was when I used to watch it a lot. So I I watched it a lot more when I was living in Nigeria. So I knew Boca Juniors, River Plate, Flamengo, Corinthians, Fluminense. But I think as of now, it's quite hard to find. First of all, the time isn't there. You know, I just don't have the, the time. And also the avenues to watch it is, is, is a lot harder. Because again, I'm sure where he's living, 
it's easy to access it from his region. But again, from here, it's very hard to just easily access South American football. I personally don't really watch South American football um, at all. I, I've dibbled and dabbled in in, in in my time. Maybe I should have paid a lot more attention because I'm sure it's really good. I, I watched a lot of uh, of Neymar once his name was around that I kept on keeping an eye on him and stuff. I remember Raquel May in his, in his mm. days. Um, but on a whole, yeah, I, I probably should have watched more than I have. But yeah, it's time, it's access. Games come on very late if they're live in England at something like four o'clock in the morning or something crazy like that. I think it used to be back in the day and stuff. So yeah, not yeah, yeah. I don't really know much about that. Um, who do you see getting promoted from the championship? And who do you personally want back in the Premier League from Mason Boris? Who do we see getting promoted? Isn't it like yeah, Leeds, Leeds, Norwich, some other team? Norwich, Norwich are coming back. Norwich are, Norwich are playing Barcelona football. Have you seen how well they're playing? Oh, wow. They are playing some serious... If you see some of their team goals, you would think Messi, Suarez, Neymar, Xavi, Iniesta, and them boys were on the pitch. <laughs> well, no, no, I, thought, I thought Leeds were really the team. I thought they were like the guys that are really like popping things off. No, Leeds have been doing well as well. Um, again, they, they see the championship. I, I try to watch it when I can, but again, I don't really get that much time to watch championship football. So mm. I try and dibble and I dabble. But I definitely think Norwich and Leeds will probably be coming up. Who do I want back? West Brom, because there are more in it. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> I don't really like them, but I like the fact that he is in charge. And I oh, like for sure, stable. Yeah, and, and that would be well. such a great achievement for him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a good point, actually. I'll go with that as well. Shady McGrady, who are your guys' top five African strikers ever? I'm not sure Ooh. after Eto, Weya, and Drogba. This could be a whole like segment, but we got to do this one a little bit quick. George Weir is definitely oh, the for best. For sure, for sure. We agree. Boma, uh, people sleep on him a lot. See, Patrick Mboma was a guy who maybe wasn't that big in club football. He was always clutch for Cameroon. Weir, number one, as everyone said. Eto's number two. Eto's number two, for sure. And then Drogba, three. I think that would be standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, and, then you, and, and, and then you have Adebayor. You have I mean, over, Miller. Over Roger Jamila. You have and... Kanu. Yeah, Kanu probably does have to go in that top yeah, five. Kanu. I mean, do you know what? Maybe an honourable mention for uh, Ekpeba. I used to love watching him play back. I mean, Ekpeba was he was he was very good, but I don't. And top five all time. I mean, no, no, but I'm just giving him an honourable mention because I, I, he's he's like a forgotten man, but I really used to enjoy watching him play when See, I was younger. Sony Yeboa was something. Uh, I think Yeboa had moments of brilliance, but he was never a great striker, though, was he? You look, know, if you look at his he's numbers, one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. So that's for that reason, you know. Maybe see, like, uh, you know who's, you know who else I don't think gets enough credit. The Nigerian who played for Everton. Um, what was his name again? Am Amokachi. Amokachi. Uh, he was yeah. a good striker, you know. No, no, no. Have hope. Have hope. Have hope. Yakubu has a hundred oh, Premier League goals, God, right? For God's sake! Why do we have to bring that that name? <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's Come in the on, top bro. ten. No, no, Maybe. don't. Come on. No, 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 Danny. Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. Yo, yo. Carl asked him, do you want to do a special on your Kubu? No, 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 no. Like, guys, it's the same That's not even funny. That's that's. Ah, that was I died. I was died. All right, two two questions left. Thoughts on title race in Germany? Who do you see winning it? Bayern. Bayern. I really hope Dortmund do it. Reality, honesty. Let's let's be real. True, true. <laughs> that was from Pac Mouse. And last question from Hershey Junior. 
Do you think Potch will get a pass for his behavior after the Burnley game? He Is shouldn't, he? but he might. As much as we all, as my like, Dean may be a fool and extremely arrogant, <laughs> you're sticking your face. The guy was literally almost about to headbutt Mike, Mike, Mike Dean in the face. <laughs> so it's like, if you don't get reprimanded for that, then that's just. Um, Did you guys see that Mike Dean was removed as like the fourth official from the Chelsea game? Yeah. Even though he carries himself really, really well, people forget. A, he was a fiery player, mm. and B, he's Argentinian, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, <laughs> those guys can go at any moment, bro. At <laughs> any moment, like at any mo any given moment, somebody can get it. You know what I mean? So, you know, that was just a little bit of his uh of his hood side coming back out, and he couldn't hold it in. <laughs> All right. Um. So, do you guys have any other topics you want to get through, or is that the podcast? There's, there's just one thing I would like to just say in relation to uh, going back to the whole injury thing, just quickly, two mm. seconds. Yeah. How do you guys feel Man City will cope for the few weeks now that they may have to go without Laporte and Fernandinho, who both came off with groin injuries in the in the cup final? I think it's interesting that over the past like season, maybe two, like people have finally begun to understand how important Fernandinho is to what Manchester City do. I totally agree with you. I've been screaming it. And Double H has even disagreed with me at times. Fernandinho is just a special, special player. And I, I really don't understand how a lot of people don't realise just how good and important he is. The, the only, I mean, obviously, I'm looking at this with a lot more intent. And I've always said as well, I will never, ever wish injury on players because I know it will always come round in karma. But obviously, once a player gets injured, you can kind of have that feeling of, OK, maybe this can affect the team. The only yeah. thing that I'm worried about is I looked at the fixtures and City don't have any difficult games while he'll be away. So I don't really think it will actually bother them, to be honest with you. But um, No, no, I mean, no, for, for me, I think Fernandinho is going to be a pretty big miss. He's going to be a pretty big miss. I think that's the key piece. But, but don't sleep on Laporte. The amount of defending he does... Is mm. so crucial because I think that how you beat City is you're very direct and you play the ball very quick. And what Laporte does better than um, either any of the other dudes is he's very good at reading the game and very good at inter inter intercepting. And his reading of the game is far better than almost any of the other defenders. The Otamendi is just a hothead, and the other guys just aren't are not as good. So those are two interesting misses. But when a team is so good and so quality. It could be a case where they'll just out, out, outscore you. Okay, they'll concede one, two, they'll get yeah, three, yeah, four, yeah. five. Do you know what? I actually thought of one more question. It goes back to a subject that we had last week. Where would you rank Steven Gerrard in like the top five Premier League midfielders of all time? We, we've, we've had this discussion recently, ironically. Okay. And um, yeah, Double H really doesn't like my answer. Um, <laughs> if you're talking about all-round ability, Everything he brought to the game, clutch, uh, leadership, just everything that I feel you should take into consideration if you're talking about the best. He is the best. Uh, Danny, you, you can respond because because we've already had it, had it out. I know. Here. I mean, like if someone wants my response, they can go back and listen to last week's show. But I, I, I felt it was only fair that since like uh, he was uh, a hot topic last week that we should have some he, he, He's one of those guys who, for some reason, because he didn't win the Premier League, people don't talk about in a very disrespectful way, in my opinion. It's like, I don't feel individual performances or ability should ever be based on what you want. For me, Gerard had everything. He had everything. 
there'll be a job video coming very soon because we had a very heated discussion about it. But yeah, for me, the guy just had no weakness. And if you have no weakness, you are the best. Fair enough. All right, so this has been the Talking Tactics podcast. Wait, 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 so, 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 wait, so you're literally not going to have any response. You're just going to end the episode. <laughs> Out of respect for our guest, I'm going to oh, let give me a break. He's not a guest. Word. I know this. this flipping. Come on, say something, bro. You can't just end the thing like that. You're not going to say anything. No. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> you can it's believe him or not believe him, but it's up to you. Uh, all right, so that has been the Talking Tactics Podcast, episode 130. I like the round numbers. Um, Drifty, we appreciate you coming on with us. If Thanks, one bro. more time you can shout out where people can find you on Twitter, your stuff on YouTube. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was a pleasure. That 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 time flew by, man. Um, you can find me at Drifty underscore TFBS uh, if you want to hit me up on Twitter. Um, we have all of our socials, you know, the whole Instagram and, and everything is uh, the Football Banter Show. And on YouTube, just go to the channel and type in the football banner show, man. That's, that's where we are. That's our main. That's our main platform. Uh, is YouTube, man. No doubt. So their links again are going to be in the description of the podcast. We're at Talking Tactics on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is Talking Tactics three five two. If you're listening on Spotify, follow us. If you're on an Apple device, subscribe. It's free. And yeah, I'm at Daniel to look. Have hope. Where can the people find you one time? Find your boy at Have Hope Hot. This has been the Talking Tactics podcast. Thanks for listening. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. See you guys next week. Peace. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.